You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your hosts, Chris Jennings and Dr. Mike Brazier. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. I am here in studio with my co-host, Chris Jennings, and our guest, Bill Dance. We're going to pick up where we left off the previous episode, and I'm going to jump right in with a question for Bill that we were about to touch on in the last episode, and that relates to Johnny Morris and Bass Pro Shops and, Bill, your relationship with Johnny sure. and your impression of him and what he has meant to to the outdoor community his what he and his company have done to enable greater access to the outdoors for so many people. Johnny is obviously in Bass Pro Shops, are huge partners with Ducks Unlimited, huge sign on the side of Bass Pro Pyramid, advertising Ducks Unlimited's Waterfowling Heritage Center. We within Ducks Unlimited can't say enough good things about our partnership with Bass Pro and Johnny Morris, but I know you have a long friendship with Johnny. And so from the perspective of kind of recruiting our next generation of hunters, anglers, and conservationists, what what has Johnny meant in that regard? But then also, what has Johnny meant to you as a friend uh, over the years? Well, Johnny Morris and our relationship started on Table Rock Lake in 1972. So our relationship goes back that far. Johnny is one, you know, Somebody once said, if you can hold up three fingers when your time comes, that you've got three close friends. Well, Johnny Morris is one of those top three. Johnny has been a close, close friend for a long time. Not only in, uh, said you can't mix business with pleasure. I don't know who said it, but that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> he has been uh, not only a dear, dear friend, a very close friend, but he's been a major sponsor and uh his family, my family, have been very good friends and very close friends over for a long period of time. Johnny Morris is the, uh, uh, I guess the best way I can describe him is the Roosevelt of our times. He is. He has done more for conservation today than any living soul on this earth. He gives more than he receives. I know this for a fact. He gives every function, he gives a percentage back to conservation. And what he's done for Ducks Unlimited, I look at the 4,500 square feet in the second largest uh, the second largest bass pro in the country in Memphis, Tennessee. There's 4,500 square feet devoted for Ducks Unlimited. And the promotion that he gives DU and the money that he gives to DU and what he does for conservation and the support he gives to DU, and and the the Elk Foundation, and, and the Missouri Conservation, and what he's what he gave the state of Tennessee uh, for what we're doing, and what he gives 
It, it, he's just a giving soul. But he's the same Johnny Morris that I met 52 years ago. I just did a show titled 52 Years of Memories with Johnny of our relationship that dates back 52 years ago. And the show titles is 52 Years of Memories and of, of, our, of our relationship, of shows we've done together from Canada to Mexico to wading the Trinity River, catching gigantic gar to our trips of, uh, to, um, oh goodness, to Stewart Inlet of catching the big, big Goliath grouper that are in the pyramid, uh, that are in the wonders in Springfield, to the big alligator gar that are in the pyramid and also at Springfield to, uh, and he's constantly talking about our youth getting our youth involved. He loves to see people catch fish. He wants to see people, when he writes his signature, go fishing. He means it. He, Johnny Marsh is a tremendous individual, but he's the same Johnny Marsh today as he was when I first met him. I remember we used to stay at the Floridian in Florida. It was a big sports club, and it was owned by Shinley's, a big his daddy was in the Brown Derby uh, liquor business, mm-hmm. and he had a chain of liquor stores in Springfield. And Shinley owned this big lodge. And when we'd fish bass tournaments on the St. Johns River at Wallachia, Florida, uh, several of us would stay there at that lodge. And Johnny would talk about getting in the mail order business. He'd, he'd dream about that. And he'd talk about it. And we'd be there talking, and he says, you know, that would be a good thing. I'd, I'd like to do that someday. And uh, it's amazing how that, how that turned. His dreams always become reality. And he said, one day I got a phone call. He said, guess what? Daddy gave me half of a store. I said, what do you mean Daddy gave me half a store? He said, Daddy gave me half of a liquor store. And I said... <laughs> <laughs> what, a, I, what, a, I, what does that That's mean, an interesting John? thing. <laughs> and he says, liquor? What are you doing in liquor? He says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Daddy gave me half of the back of a liquor store, and I'm opening it up of fishing, fishing. And if you look in the 22, uh, 23 Bass Pro catalog, this this new mm-hmm. issue, yeah. you'll, see a, you'll see a shot of it in the back of, the back of it. And he yeah. says... I'm back there with a bunch of liquor bottles, but I'm selling <laughs> I'm selling sporting goods. I'm selling fishing tackle. But anyway, he said, Will you come up for my grand opening? And I said, Yeah. When when it he said, I'll let you know. I'll be there. Well, a couple of weeks passed, he called me and he says, I'm having my grand opening. This is coming Saturday. Johnny's last minute on everything. <laughs> I said, I'll be there. So I flew to Springfield. He picked me up. I spent the night with him. We got up the next morning. We went trout fishing, and we went to the store, and there were, goodness gracious, there were traffic and police cars directing traffic. You would think that we were at the Super Bowl. <laughs> and we went into the store. As we walked in the store, I started. I turned around, and I looked up at the marquee, and it said, Jack Daniels, 5th, 1995. Jim Bean, 5th, 1795. Welcome, Bill Dance. I thought, <laughs> man, I've had the big time. I'm up there with Jack Daniels. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, it was a phenomenal promotion. 
phenomenal promotion. And that was the kickstart. And from then on, it just it just got bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then when we got the pyramid, I was going to say, kind of, you know, can you elaborate on? Can you actually just tell that story of how it, it was the pyramid night, it was came? a nightmare. There was <laughs> there were so many downfalls and downfalls yeah. and downfalls. We were on a plane going to uh, Sevierville, and he said, "We got a proposition. Should we put a Bass Pro in a pyramid?" And I said. Don't ask me. And he said, well, you need to make a decision on it. Jim Hagel was the president, and he said, yeah, make the decision. I said, I'm not going to make a decision. You're looking at a three, four, $500,000 investment. I'm not going to. He said, well, you need to make the decision. I said, well, we left there, and we went to Sevierville, and then we went down to Leeds, Alabama, and broke ground for a store there, and then down to Destin, broke store, and we came back over to Jackson for a store opening. And then... Flying back into Memphis, he said, have you made a decision on the pyramid? And I said, I'm not making a decision <laughs> on the pyramid. And anyway, he was going to spend spend two days here with me, and we were going to catfish on the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And he said, i tell you what we're going to do. If we catch a catfish over 30 pounds, we're going put, put to put a bass pro at the pyramid. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard you say. <laughs> You're going to let a catfish decide if we're going to put a pyramid, if we're going to put a, a bass pro at the pyramid. He said, yeah. I said, that's the dumbest thing. <laughs> so anyway, we uh, we got jumped off the plane at Olive Branch and we came to my office and it was cold. Golly, it was cold. We fished the river that afternoon, got up the next morning, went up to Duval, put in the river, 28 degrees, went up the river. Jack, one of his closest buddies that I've known, I knew Jack before he went to work for Johnny. We put in the river, loaded in, and I said, Johnny, don't set the hook. We were still fishing. I said, let the fish pull pull the rod down. Sure enough, he had a hit. He grabbed the rod and set the hook. I said, told you, <laughs> missed the fish. And Jack's rod was sitting over there. And, and the rod hit. Rod hit. And I said, Jack, Jack said, I know what to do. I'm not going to do anything, Bill. Let him pull it down using circle hooks. And it was right at freezing. Guide froze on. <laughs> rod went down. And Jack picked it up and just pulled back. The fish sets themselves with a circle mm-hmm. hook. And Jack set the hook. He said, I got him. I said, see how you do it, Johnny? <laughs> and so he reeled him up. We netted him. The fish weighed 34 pounds. Johnny says, where's the phone? Where's the phone? Get the mayor on the phone. Get, get, get Harrington on the phone. Get Mary Harrington on the phone. We got Mary Harrington on the phone. And he says, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Right there in the boat. <laughs> right there in the boat. And I said, that's the dumbest thing. And so we got to fish. And I said, kiss him. And he said, I ain't going to kiss that nasty. I said, don't say he's nasty. Yeah. You're going to put a pyramid in. <laughs> that's right. So we turned him loose. Weighed him, turned him loose. And we rushed back to the pyramid. And Johnny and I walked in. It was a dirt floor. And he said, look, we'll put a freestanding elevator here. We can put big, giant cypress trees here. He said, Bill, we can put a river through here and put native fish to this area. But I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. And we'll put a, a, an aquarium up in almost the, the top of the pyramid. And I knew it was a done deal. Yeah. And so if you'll walk in the pyramid today, as soon as you walk in, look up on the wall on the left. There's, there's a big sign that says, we're going to do it. And there's a picture of Johnny and Jack and I holding up that big catfish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that, that's the fish that did it. I, I was not aware of that story. Chris told me about that earlier, and I was excited to hear the full story. That's I, the story. I had no idea. Yeah, no that's idea. awesome. He caught it. It was a 34-pound fish. <laughs> that's 
I told him anybody that's catches an that fish, you, I said, if anybody <laughs> catches that fish, you better turn it loose because yeah. that, that, that's what brought the pyramid to Memphis. Let's move on to the conversation about wetland conservation sure. and where it intersects fisheries and anglers. And we started to touch on this a few minutes ago, but as you know, Ducks Unlimited has done wetland conservation for 85 years, our 85th anniversary. And for much of that time, it's it's all been sort of on the backs uh, of waterfowl and our mm-hmm. waterfowl supporters. And our mission is to conserve wetlands for waterfowl. But through the years, we have, we've known about the benefits that it provides well beyond waterfowl. Increasingly in, in recent years and certainly going forward, we're talking about those benefits, those broader benefits more explicitly and using that to help educate people about the many values of wetlands and attract additional people to, uh, to our conservation mission. And I had an opportunity recently to pull together some examples of wetland conservation projects that DU has delivered that have a really strong connection to fisheries and anglers. That was a fun thing to do because I had no idea of the unique uniqueness of some of the projects that we're delivering in different parts of the country and how they are influencing habitat for fish and then habitat for anglers as, as well. And well yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Um, what y'all are doing, but the ducks are helping you do it too. And let me tell you why. Bass fishermen OD you a lot, and they owe the ducks that you're protecting a lot too. Ducks, the duck itself, is creating wetlands where there are no wetlands as a result of their droppings, for a better way of saying it. They're going into areas and creating new wetlands, if you don't understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Dis- dispersing yeah. the seeds. They're dispersing the seeds and creating yep. new wetlands. They feed on hydrilla. They feed on milfoil. Mm-hmm. They feed on serratophyllum or, or, or mm-hmm. coontail. Yeah. Yeah. And Look they feed on... Throw out the scientific I, name. That. I like that. They, they, they do. They feed on this and they, and they deposit it. Now, people say, well... I've said this so many times. Of all the different types of habitat that bass use, there's nothing better than vegetation. What does vegetation do? Vegetation purifies the water. Vegetation gives everything in the water column a place to hide. It gives uh, our, our all, all our type of forage a place to hide, n- new growth. Uh, it gives uh, all our invertebrates and invertebrates places to hide. It gives our our new our our, our, our newborns places to hide. It produces oxygen. It does. It has so many effects. One detrimental effect. It can get out of hand, but we have ways now of controlling it. Mm-hmm. But ducks help put vegetation in areas. I know of some areas in Florida that were voided of cover. But now, ducks, as a result of ducks, they have helped plant vegetation there. And that fishery, it's a good fishery now. It's a good fishery now. Um, They say, does it rain fish? There's some truth to that. Do waterfowl carry eggs? Yes, they do. Have you ever seen a fish? Have you ever seen fish will fan an area mm-hmm. till they can get to a hard pan? Mm-hmm. They'll fan till they can get to a marl, sand, or rock. That's where you see these white mm-hmm. areas. They don't lay their eggs on silt or mud. 
they'll fan till they can get to a hard surface area. And once they get to that hard surface area, they'll lay their eggs. But if, if you ever pick up fish eggs, they're gooey. They're, 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 they're gluey. They're, they're, they have a gluey substance to it. Well, if a bird steps on that, they, it sticks to their feet even after they're fertilized. And if they fly off with that and land on another body of water and those eggs are float free, they hatch in another body of water. And I've talked to fishery people and biologists, one in particular, that knows a lot about fish behavior. It showed me how that works, and it does work. And so where a, a body of water, a shallow area, where a duck has gone in and created a wetland and then a crane or another type of bird has gone back in and dropped those dropping dropped uh, eggs it's created a fishery and there's i know of three or four areas in central florida where this has happened and there's a good fishery there and it's a result of one thing a duck a duck started it yeah, there are a lot of interesting stories from across the country of, of those great examples. I worked in Louisiana for 13, 14 years, and we do a lot of work in the coastal marshes down there. And it's not very difficult at all to find certain projects that we do that are beneficial from a fishery standpoint. Now, there's the whole issue of ingress and egress into some of those areas, right. and we've gotten better at, at, at accommodating that. But uh, marsh terracing is a is a a technique that we used often in coastal Louisiana and, and having been associated with a research project down there investigating that particular technique. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable to see the, the vegetation response in and around those terraces and then, of course, the fish response as well in those areas where we've seen that submerged aquatic vegetation. So that's one of the things that, that I think will be talking more about as an organization is these different benefits and mm -hmm. fisheries is certainly and just clean water in general i mean yep. fish rely on clean water ducks rely on clean water That's right. you know there's a lot of work that du does that you know benefits both you know in a significant way so and there's lots of ways to cross that bridge for sure so so ducks and bass they, they kind of overlap they work hand in hand they overlap the other thing that i will say is a a a big bass is not averse to eating a duckling. Though. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes <laughs> not it's much not of good. anything is averse yeah. to eating a duckling when they're at their really small stage. I've seen that before too. Mm -hmm. Any other kind of fish as well. Uh, so let's see, Chris, wh where are we now on our uh, questions? We're we're getting pretty close to wrapping up. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that we talk on the DU podcast a lot about, and you know, bringing Mike's science perspective uh, to it, is the changes in technology that DU uses for our conservation efforts and, you know, even down to our fundraising efforts. I mean, the changes in technology. Um, what have you seen as far as the transition and the changes in technology in fishing in general? And even, you know, what you do, but I mean, just that. You're talking about like an equipment and... and yes. I, if you... When I started out, I told you about the metal rods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Starting out in, in the 50-some-odd years that I've I've watched this industry grow. And I and I've met a lot of a lot of the people in the industry, manufacturers, growing up. I've been on every corner, it seems like. I was a distributor salesman. Then I got got in the manufacturing end of it. Uh, I, I owned half a Strike King Lure Company at one time. And I helped make baits. I helped design baits. And I still do that even today with some of my sponsors and design and testing baits in the promotional end of baits, working with sponsors, working with uh, 
uh, in the design of baits, and now working with uh, the promotional end of, 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 of new new design of, of equipment with my sponsors, whether it be hooks, whether it be line, whether it be rods, whether it be reels. We used to take equipment a year in advance and play with it and try to tear it up. Uh, I've, I've seen the boats. I've seen the trolling motors. I've seen the hooks. I've seen the line. I've seen the rods. I've seen the reels. And I've seen how they progressed. If my granddaddy could see <laughs> the rods that we use today, how much lighter they are, how much more sensitive they are, uh, the different types of actions for different types of things, he'd faint. Um, I look at our hooks. They're they're sharper. The 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 diameter of the hook. They're we we used to take a hook. The diameter of that hook was was much much bigger. Mm-hmm. Today they're they're thinner. You can push a a pin in a potato a lot easier than you can a nail. And so the the, the thinner wire hooks they penetrate much quicker. Um, they're stronger. We look at line today. We look at, I, I can use a 30-pound braid, braided line, which has the a mono diameter of, say, 8-pound test. Yeah. So we look at our trolling motors. I'm running trolling motors today that are um, run on 24, 36 volts. I'm running lithium batteries today where an acid battery weighs 70 pounds, a lithium battery weighs 24 pounds. And the advantage is what it does. I can run two days on this battery, on this lithium battery, and probably use, other day I'm running 24 volts, and I'm running at a strong wind, a north wind 20 with gusting to 20, 25, 30. And I'm in a pretty good wind. And nine hours of fishing, eight hours of fishing with daylight savings time, I used only 20% wow. of the battery power. Wow. Our batteries have improved. The biggest step probably is our in our electronics is, yeah. our, is our graphs. Mm-hmm. What I've seen now is with panoptics, with our live scopes mm-hmm. and what we can see. I watched the other day, we had a cold front come through. And I told my cameraman, I said, Jimmy, video this, watch this. And I, I throw a jig, and I sit in on this side of a ledge. And I said, watch this. And I, and I increased the size. I was throwing a 16th, and I went up to an eighth. And I said, you see the jig? And he said, I got it. And it was on a 10-inch screen. And I said, watch that jig fall. Hmm. And I said, you see it? And I said, now watch this. I started reeling it, and I said, see that crappie? He said, I see it. And I could see the jig come like this, and the crappie, they were inactive. That crappie would come right in behind it, and just about the time he'd get to the ledge, the crappie would turn off of it. Mm-hmm. And it was just right, one right after another. And I'd reel it, and the crappie would come right in behind it and turn right off of it. And when I said, here's a prime example. They won't hit it. I went to an eighth ounce because it was a little bit bigger. And I said, now I'm going to switch to a sixteenth just to see if they'd see it. But you could see it. They just turned right off of it. Hmm. And uh, it, to be able to see schools of fish yeah. and to be able to drop a bait, 
I did a piece for Garmin. Uh, I've got some video, underwater video. I said, do you believe a bass can hit a, hit a bait, take it in his mouth, and, and eject it, and you never feel it? I said, well, they can actually do that. Watch this piece of video. And I've got a shot of a crankbait coming and about a seven-pound seven bass going, actually hitting it, coming up, taking it, and as he turns, bait's completely gone. And then he just turns, he goes, wow. and he spits it completely out. And bait's got two sets of treble hooks in it. Yeah. And I said, he took the bait in, he ejected And I put that together with pan optics. Mm-hmm. And I said, watch this. And I made a cast. And you see the crankbait running, and you see the bass come up, and he hits the bait, and then he ejects the bait. And you see the bass, and here comes the bait, and the bass turns again, chases the bait, and grabs it. Then it cuts to me above the surface, and I set the hook. And you see under, the bass fighting underwater. And then it cuts back to me, and you see the bass jump out of the water, and then I fight the fish up, lift wow. him out of water, and take the fish wow. out. And we presented that to Garmin, and it's running. They've got it on their yeah. uh, They've got it on their website yeah, right that, now. And, and that's that's the cool thing. That's why I asked the question, just this transition. It's, it's, it's unbelievable yeah. what you, what, how far that's advanced. Yeah, and it's the same for, you know, I do all the product stuff for the magazine, and so I'm, I'm a gear junkie, and I think waterfowlers in general are gear junkies, but that's very similar to fishermen. You know, like mm-hmm. bass fishermen are gear junkies. My buddy's got a $15,000 bass boat with $17,000 worth of electronics on it right now. <laughs> you know, and he's at the Tennessee River every weekend. And I, you know, so, you know, it's like one of those deals where the gear is just, it's just, it make, make, means so much to, you know, the oh, sport. It, it's and, just, and, and, and I've got ICAST. Uh, I've got, uh, in fact, Johnny's going with me um, in July. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a snook shoot in, um, at, at, uh, Palm Bay and south uh, down toward uh, Juniper, but uh, in July. But I can't wait to see what's new. Yeah. Uh, at ICAST, what every year there's something new, and uh, but to see how far this industry is is gone, and what they how far they've advanced, and I look at boats. Um, it's amazing. Uh, the speed, the engines. Look at now, four strokes. Oh yeah, they're quieter, they're stronger, they're more fuel efficient than than ever before. Um, I was on Toledo Bend one day, umpteen years ago, and I walked in the marina in Forest Woods, who had Ranger Boat Company. I don't know if you've ever heard of Forest. Mm-hmm. But it, oh yeah, he really was first with bass boats, and Forrest was sitting there. Very recognizable in his big old cowboy hat. I've never seen anybody to run a bass boat 50 miles an hour down the lake and his cowboy hat wouldn't blow. But I, th- I walked over and I said, you need some company? He said, well, sure, sit down, Bill. And I was running <laughs> Ranger boats at that time. And I said, I'm about ready to turn my TR-10 in. Let me ask you, can you do something? And he said, well, we let's just hear what you got in mind. And I said, can you make me a two-tone boat? Had his cheeseburger up about right there. And he says, I don't believe I know what a two-tone boat is, Bill. (laughs) I said, two-color. Well, we ain't never done that before. What color is two-tone? I said, well, whatever. (laughs) I said, can you make it blue and white? 
hmm, let me get back and talk to Randy. And let's say Randy was his son-in-law, became president of Ranger. He said, let me uh, talk to Randy and see what we can come up with. Well, two weeks later, Dippy Coles, Dippy Coles was his Ranger dealer in Memphis at that time over on Tillman. Phone rang and I answered it. Dippy said, Bill, I got the prettiest bass boat I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I said, he, you could tell where he was from. He sure wasn't from Boston. And I said, hey, you got to come see this boat. I've never seen a boat like this in my, total, my my entire life. It is the prettiest boat I've ever seen. And I said, well, what, what, what's it look like? He said, it's blue and white. And I said, white? He said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, what's even amazing, it's got your name on it. <laughs> and I said, it does. Well, I'll be over there in just a minute. Well, come on quick. I said, do you think the colors will fade? And he says, no. I said, well, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> so I got over there, and I walked up, and I said, good boy. That's the prettiest boat I believe I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so awesome. I looked at it, and uh, I said, I've never seen a boat that pretty in my life. And I called Forrest, and I said, Forrest, that's the prettiest boat I believe I've ever seen. He said, it's the first two-tone boat we ever made. Mm-hmm. How do you like that word, Bill, two-tone? And I said, <laughs> I, I like it. And he said, we never made a two-tone boat before. He said, we may have started something here. Yeah. And he said, I called Hubert Green in North Carolina, and I told him what we had. And he said, what's a two-tone boat? <laughs> and I said, a two-tone boat is a boat with two colors. <laughs> <laughs> and Hubert says, can you make a red and white one? He said, I can make a green and white one, a red and white one, a blue and white one. A blue and white one's a bill dance boat. <laughs> and he said, that started it right there. We started making them, and he said it wasn't long we saw other boats. Now, did that and, boat end up in, in your boat shop, in your in your shed? Yeah, eventually yeah. Did. I, okay. I started running it right then. And I was at a show two or three years ago, Forrest, Forrest passed away last year, but a guy walks up to me and he at a tackle show, boat show, and he goes, uh, you recognize that picture? And I said, no, I tell you, I, I recognize the guy. I recognize the boat. I recognize the creek. I recognize the lake, and I can almost tell you exactly the location. He said, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "The boat is my first two-tone bass boat. The location is Barber Creek. The lake is Eufaula, and the location is almost where I caught my personal best stringer." 10 bass that weighed 55 pounds Ooh. in a BASS tournament. And he said, really? And I said, yeah. And it was an east-west ledge where I could anchor and parallel that five-foot ledge where it dropped off to 25 feet. And and he says, I don't know about that ledge, but that you said everything else right. <laughs> and I said, I don't know who it is running that boat. He said, it's me. And I said, oh, okay, now I know. I said, you see that fellow over yonder in the big cowboy hat? He said, yeah. I said, that's Forrest Woods. Walk over there and just hold that picture up in front of him. And I said, the first thing he was going to do, he's going to grin. He's going to take that cowboy hat off, and he's going to look right over here, and he's going to wave. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. 
Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. He walked over there and he held it up for us, went, waved his cowboy hat. That's pretty awesome. But that was was kind of the change in, in, in colored boats back then. Bill, we've talked about a number of things today, and I'm sure Chris and I could do this for the rest of the afternoon, <laughs> but we'll, we'll start wrapping up here. I, I do have one question here, then I'll see what sure. if Chris has anything to close with. We, we've talked about a lot of the changes that, that you've seen that have been, that have enabled much greater access. They have made, they've equipped people with all sorts of uh, different ways to fish and improve their fishing. But anytime we have these conversations, like when we talk about the good things with waterfowl and wetlands conservation that we've seen over the years, we always balance that against a recognition that all is not uh, necessarily well. There are still challenges that we face in the in the in waterfowl habitat uh, arena. We're seeing a decline in the number of hunters and the number of people engaged in in hunting. And so, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts. You've you've talked. You've seen all these changes. You've been sort of a, a pivotal figure in in the angling community. When you look forward, what are the things that really that concern you and that that you and others are trying to have a positive impact on? I see fishing growing. I see because interstate travel the way it is today, what the state of Georgia is doing, uh, what the state of Arkansas is doing, what Governor Lee's doing for our state, um, what our game and fish departments are doing. I see what Florida's doing. Uh, fishing is a 12-month-a-year deal. With wearing apparel today, uh, our rivers, the multitude of species. I look at my home state of Tennessee. We have 26 major lakes. We have... We have one detrimental thing going on that we've got to we've got to uh, curb. I don't know how we're going to do it. We're working hard, spending a lot of money on it. It's the Asian carp program, yeah. and it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's so detrimental. It's just it's mm, I don't even get into it. But it's uh, our fisheries are, are really good. We're doing a lot of programs right now to to help our fisheries. Um, duck hunting is very popular. Uh, I talked to a real good friend of mine down at Beaver Dam uh, this morning, real early. He's an uh, avid, avid duck hunter. Uh, you may know you may know him, Mike Boyd, mm-hmm. and uh, Mike's a real close friend of mine. Mike said he would uh, like to see the limit drop from six to four because he could get out of his blind a little bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> but he he just laughed when he said that. But uh, he said. Uh, he he was very content with uh, the regulations and the way things the great job DU's doing. Uh, the uh, the wetland programs were were, were doing great. Uh, we've got tons of ducks. He I listened to him. I think, I think he, some people will would argue yeah. with the way. <laughs> well, but he, he, he's we very content. He's, he was he's very content because he's had great seasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's up and down. Yeah, it, oh, it's know. just like. 
it's just like fishing. You're going to have good years. You're going to have bad years. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Yeah. You're not going to please everybody. You're right. You're, not, you're just not going to please everybody. Um, you're going to please this percent you and not please this. Nobody's going to be 100% yeah. uh, content. You could raise the limit to 10, and you're going to have a percent Somebody that's going to be 12. against that, and yeah. you're going to have a percent that's going to be for it. Uh, I don't care what you're doing with the wetlands. Uh, you're... You're going to have some for it. You're going to have people against it. You have to do what you think is right, and uh, that's all you can do. Um, you have your beliefs, and you're trying to do the right thing, and that's all you can do. Um, I believe what I'm doing when I say, here's the best way. Here's the best way I know how to do this, and I have to that, – that's this is what works for me. This is what works for DU, and here's a program that's worked for years and years and years since the dust bowl and this this program has worked for years and years and years and uh, here's living proof it's worked yeah here's the science uh, yeah, you know yeah so we have to go with what what uh uh what works for us and if uh we only learn from our mistakes and if it doesn't work we'll change it uh and if, we're sorry if it, you don't agree with us but uh give us your ideas and we'll work on them uh, you just can't please everybody, and it's just, it's just that's just the way it is. You've been around long enough. You you figure that out, and you come to accept it. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love my wife to death. We've been married fifty some odd years, fifty eight years, and I can't please her all the time. Uh, I'm gonna do the best I can. Uh, I can't please my children all the time, but I'm gonna do the best I can. Uh, they're not gonna please me all the time, but they do the best they can. It's just it's just the way life is. We have to do the best we can and uh, keep going. We learn we learn as we go, and uh, we we stumble. That's just part of life. But y'all do a fantastic job. You really do. I used to I used to do a lot of duck hunting, and uh, but I don't do as much now um, because I'm, I'm 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 you know I can't do everything. People say, do you hunt? And I said, yeah, I hunt you fish. Time, so I spent though. most yeah. of my time hunting fish yeah. and through the winter months. But I've got a lot of friends yeah. that, that hunt. Old John Godwin with Duck Dynasty. Mm -hmm. John's a real good friend of mine. And John and I do promotions together. I talk about fishing. He talks about duck hunting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, we have a great time together. We, we fish together. Uh, I've done their show before, Duck Dynasty yeah. show before. Yeah. And they're, they're a bunch of great, the Robertsons. Mm -hmm. and it's just Great guys, and they're all behind Ducks Unlimited. They they know y'all do a great program. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate uh, you, you do, you do, and you you're not going to be successful 100 percent of the time. That's just the way the good Lord intended it to be. <laughs> but you're you're more successful than you're not. So keep doing what you're yeah. doing. I appreciate that. I had one final question to close out. I don't, Chris, do you have anything else? No, I mean I think you know we wanted to touch briefly on the uh, Bill Dance Signature Lakes uh, that you're doing with the TWRA and kind of explain what that program is. And well, you know, it we're working with uh, Tennessee Tourism, the state of Tennessee, and um, Tennessee Wildlife, Tennessee TWRA. Governor Lee gave us an opportunity. We took 20 lakes across the state, 10 excess lakes, like. Real Foot, Pickwick, Dale Hollow, Chickamauga. Uh, we got a list of them. And then we took nine park lakes and then one WMA lake. I'll give you an example of Close Lake, uh, Herb Parson. Yeah. We're going to make Herb Parson 
in in many of our uh, park lakes, uh, family friendly lakes. For instance, with her Parson, the governor gave us, uh, I think, close to two million, two million dollars, and we're going to go in there. We're going to fix the ramps. We're going to add a couple of piers. We're going to go in and not do too much underwater. Uh, we're going to add feeders. We're going to improve uh, the fishery. We're going to go in and make it uh, a bluegill catfish. Bass fishing is pretty good over there right now. But to where people can come there and catch fish, and it'll be monitored to where your chances of catching a 16 to 20-ounce bluegill is very, very good in several in numbers of them. And we can manage that, and we know how to manage that. We have the resources to do it where we can. That's just one lake. Big Hill Pond up here on 57 going toward Pickwick will be another lake. Carroll County Lake will be another lake. Uh, Maple Creek will be another lake where we can go in and stock these lakes, balance the lake, keep forage in the lakes, and grow big fish where people can come to these lakes and catch fish and catch fish. And we'll keep the lakes stocked. We'll keep the lakes uh, well-managed where the predator-prey relationship is well in balance and uh, won't let the lakes get out of hand and overstocked. And TWRA, we've already started working on them. And um, we've checked. Uh, there'll be a list of them. They go online and you'll see the list of them. But uh, yeah, the program is going to be ongoing. Yeah. And, and where our excess lakes, we're going in and make improvements on the boat ramps and access into the lakes, uh, like, say, Dale Hollis, uh, Chickamauga. Um, but a lot of that, uh, what we're doing is online. So you can check with Tennessee Tourism. Bill Dance Signature Lakes. That's, yeah, that's right. the, okay. Right. People are interested in So it's an ongoing that. thing, and it's going to, it, It'll get better and better and better in time. We've 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 got a lot to learn, but we've we've got a lot of lot of talented people that are working on it. Tennessee Wildlife, uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee Tourism, and the state of Tennessee. But Governor Lee, who's an avid sportsman, is a big time conservationist. He's behind the program big time, and he's helped us tremendously with it. So we're looking forward to. Um, Making this a big, big success, and I know it's going to be. Well, I've, so we've got a lot of talented people that know a lot about it and working on it. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing all that come to fruition as well. Her Parsons is not too far from well, you know, where my wife and I live, and we'll try to get over there. Yeah. You know, her Parsons, surprisingly, uh, is in a WMA lake, in a wildlife management lake, is unbelievable how many people fish that. Mm-hmm. But what this will do, it'll draw neighbors, it'll increase license sales, it'll increase uh, uh, non-resident and resident sales, but it'll draw people from our neighboring states yeah. to come here too. That's just one example of the many things that you've done over your over your career uh, for, for fishing and for anglers. And I don't know if you ever imagined that the Bill Dance brand would get as large as it is. But I do want to I want to ask you, looking across all of those accomplishments and contributions that you've made, what are you most proud of across that entire suite of of accomplishment? Which one stands out in your mind if you if you can pick one or two? You mean of accomplishments? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I have. Uh, well, you have certain things that you've accomplished in life. Uh, 
I think being able to, there's several things. Uh, one thing is being able to turn a hobby into a profession and then being able to share with others what I've learned about this great sport and teaching others uh, what I've learned about this great sport and to have people tell me uh, that they, what they've learned by listening to what I've learned and uh, that they've gained something from that. But I had uh, a writer tell me uh, recently, he said, of all the things you've done, um, tell me one particular thing, just right off the cuff. Is it one big thing that stands out in your mind? Uh, is it a particular tournament you won? Is it a particular award you won? Uh, what single thing stands out in your mind that uh, in your fishing career? Well, the one thing that I look back, the one single thing that really, really means a lot to me. I watched each one of my four children catch their very first fish. And now I've watched four, is that right now? Yeah, four of my seven grandchildren catch their very first fish. Now, and to be able to pass it on. So when you can watch one of your own shoot the first buck, call in that first mallard, gobble up that first turkey, or catch that first fish, and you're there with them, and experience the excitement, and see that, that'll last, that lasting impression will stay with you the rest of your life. So I remember one of my granddaughters, we've got a lake right there at the house, and uh, my daughter, we gave, when she got married, we gave her some property right across, uh, in the woods right across the lake, and my granddaughter had just, thrown out and she hung this catfish and she was screaming help me help me and Pamela my daughter was hollering come on supper and I said she's not gonna she's gonna get cold you better put it in the microwave or put it back in the oven because she's she's got her hands full and uh Pamela was screaming off the back porch her supper's on the table and I said well she's got her supper on the other end of the line and this catfish was just screaming, drag. And, and Sophie was saying, help me, help me, help me. I said, no, you made the cast. You set the hook. And one time, she had, the rod went straight out, and I just took this one finger and, and reached around and pulled the rod back up. Oh, I said, keep your rod tip up. That's the only time I just touched the rod and pulled it pulled it back up to about 1 o'clock. And it was strip, and the channel cats are just notorious. They're just tremendous fighters. And it screamed and went this way. And she said, you're not going to help me. And I said, I'm, I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to give you a lot of encouragement. And I said, don't horse him. Don't horse him. And it, she fought him this way. She fought him that way. She fought him this way. She said, are you going to help me? I said, I'm going to help you. I had some boga grips. And I said, I'll, I'll pick him up when you get him up to the bank. I don't know if I'm going to get him to the bank. I don't know. He's the biggest catfish. <laughs> and finally, she, she was about four years old, and she five, and she was screaming. Finally, she got it up to the bank, and I reached down to the boga grips and pulled it up. And it was about a 12, 13-pound channel cat, and she went crazy. And I said, you see, you made the cast. You set the hook. You did the whole thing by yourself. And you can't say someone else, that granddaddy helped you. You helped you catch it. You caught it all by yourself. And she, even to this day, she says, I caught a 13-pound, I caught a 13-pound catfish by myself. And, and she 
And I, I remember every bit of that. I remember her expression and her face and her excitement and her eyes and her screaming. And those are just special moments. And it's just like shooting that first buck or shooting it, calling in that first mallard or gobbling up that first turkey. Those are things you just pass it on. You, you don't forget those things. Yeah. Those are special moments mm-hmm. in life. So, Bill, I don't think we need to say anything else. We'll leave it right there. Yeah, that's great. Except... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you've meant to us as kids growing up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for everything you've done. We're all still growing. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Uh, And and especially thanks for coming in today. I mean, this has been fantastic. Thank you all. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you. The special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Mr. Bill Dance, America's most recognizable angler. I also thank my co-host, Chris Jennings, for being here with us today. Our producer, Chris Isaac, for the great job that he does with the podcast. And then to you, the listener, we thank you for joining us for your support of wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.